Showed you Shach Lay as Bavilium Shewish Altacher. She Robert the Karslach Mish. I'm Bob Carswell, and I'd like to welcome you to this program, Shach Lay. At the start of January, we focus on the death of the Manx hero, Ilium Dawn, William Christian. He was executed by firing squad on Hango Hill on Castletown Bay, within sight of his home, Ronaldsway, down along the shore. However, as is ever the way with Schachler, we'll take a short diversion first. The event, the death of William Dawn, took place on the 2nd of January. But you'll sometimes see the year given as 1662-63. stroke By our way of looking at it, we'd have called it 1663. At that time, the year didn't change at the end of December and the start of January. The year was reckoned to start on Lyle Murren Sanish, as Chachted and Virgin Vora, St Mary's feast day of the Whisper and the Messenger to the Virgin Mary, known in English as the Annunciation or Lady Day. The church, realising that it couldn't repress the popular midwinter festivities that were already very well established, wanted to replace them or to overlay them with Christian significance. So Christmas has become associated with the 25th of December. It was then calculated that the Annunciation was the 25th of March. At the time of the death of William Dawn, the year 1662 would have continued through until the 24th of March, with 1663 then commencing on the 25th of that month. But, for us, the new year comes in with the month of January now, so we look on the date of the death of William Dawn as the 2nd of January, 1663. <laughs> As tether vessel, yum don brision and gree. Vaudras our van and at one a cheer, vow guides on donya ser as donya crina. As she the yellow vi haraushinski. Ach tether vessel, yum moor brision and gree. Vau lau yesh an irla, a sul yesh a tear, Shen hug de the nudgeon gat wish thy on sphere, She true fargus gonless vermoud on your be, As tether vessel yum moor prision and gree. Bell and the state tallow an ekrunus vi, Blunus ach the gerach and bozzle the high. She true fargus gonless vermoud on your be, Achte the vessel yum don brision and gree. Vader gre the tanks grunen the hort to the bess, Lest finish in falls of a fallum den grass, And ving verne haglach the bind moi. As tether vessel yum moor prision and gree. Lig fair on satalu fair elias an air, Ach elium a cowl, lig savol hair, 
Ilium a cowl, schloch na bebui, she the vessel yum don, ren brigen and gree. Nims me heeden a gurgeach lesh mudders trishtil, the vacan spanglen magrina highs of whale. Courts na yer a nudgeon lesh orderery, get the vessel yum don, brigen and gree. Dremel ren me share a chreg chrynelai, the beach sloch dillium dawn on trunus vai, a nudgeon dill cast it as a heeden like she, as Glen Christine Gennel as Slenneg a Brian MacStall, and he was singing eight verses from the song Bears Ilium Dawn, the death of Ilium Dawn although in fact there's another 14 verses in printed sources and even a few lesser-known fragments found elsewhere. So it was a song which had significance and retained its importance to the Manx people. In fact, one verse was later added, clearly as an admonition or even a warning to the later lords of man, the Dukes of Athol, that they should pull in their horns somewhat and listen to the advice of the House of Keys. There's a wonderful image in the third verse there, which begins, Vau lau yeshenirle a sul You are the right hand of the earl and the right eye of the people. So William Dawn was recognised as the right-hand man for James Stanley and Stanlach Moore, the seventh earl of Derby, on the one hand. But the song is suggesting that he also used his position to keep an eye out for the well-being of the Manx people. However, this apparently was sometimes by curtailing the activities of other prominent Manx families. There are other verses which give a background against which William Dawn evidently had a number of prominent enemies amongst leading Manx families, particularly the Colcotts, who were rivals for some properties. So whilst William Dawn has come down to us in song as a hero, he wasn't universally admired in his own day. Dr. Jennifer Cooley Draskow is a Manx academic who's a direct descendant of William Dawn's father, Deemster Ewan Christian of Milntown, though, as she says, on the wrong side of the sheets. Well, this was something for which Deemster Ewan was apparently well known, and he made no secret of it. He acknowledged his paternity and supported the mothers and their offspring. Jennifer is the author of two books, the earlier one on Ilium Dawn himself, and last year a biography of the Countess of Derby, Charlotte de Tremoyes. The unpopularity of Ilium Dawn amongst some of his peers is something that Jennifer alludes to here, but, as she emphasises, the circumstances of his death make him a Manx national icon. In 2012 I had published a book on Ilium Dawn. Now, a lot of William's life is shrouded in mystery, and there are still unexplained things about his life, but to me and to many Manxmen, he is an icon, and he did a lot of good stuff for the art of man, irrespective of what else he may or may not have done. And he has been, he has been persistently misrepresented right from the time when the 8th Earl of Derby had drafted the most ridiculous and ludicrous charge against anybody, saying that he'd had a hand in the execution of the Seventh Earl, which was patently ridiculous. And so that was judicial murder. So right from then, he's been misrepresented. And so has Lady Derby, incidentally. When I wrote the book on Ilium, the BBC website said, Ilium Doan, notorious opponent 
of the Earls of Derby. Well, he wasn't a parent of the Earls of Derby. I can tell you why. He actually owed his house and his job to the seventh Earl. And how that came about was because his wicked old father, Deemster Christian, who was my ancestor, I'm direct descendant of Deemster Christian, wondered what to do with William because his three oldest sons had been sent off to England. He said, go and get, marry some rich English women and stay there and establish yourselves. And William had done that for a bit, but then he got fed up with England, even though his wife was an heiress and she had land with mining rights on it and all sorts of things. And one day he turned up with his wife and two kids at Milltown. He said, hey, Dad, I've come home. So the dean said, right, OK, what's to do here? And he thought on, and it was the time when the seventh Earl was trying to revise the system of land tenure so that people would no longer hold by the straw but would hold by a lease of three lives, which most people didn't want to do. They're very suspicious. You know, the banks are always suspicious. We're always suspicious. Um, and he needed some prominent citizens to lead the way. So James Ewan said, OK, well, I'll be one of them. I'll, I'll take that on. And he said, um, my brown envelope is going to be that uh, you settle, your lordship settles the dispute between myself and the Colcutts over the estates of Ronaldsway, which had, his sister had had an interest in. And Lord Derby said, OK, fair enough. So he said, right, the Deemster settled Ronsway on Ilium. And Ilium went off to Ronsway and became Ilium Don of Ronsway, as we know. And in the meantime, the Earl of Derby looked at Ilium and he thought, here's a likely lad, perhaps he'd like to work to me. And Deemster said, you'd like to work for the Lord, wouldn't you, William? You can work for the Lord. And he did. And he worked for the Lord so faithfully, so competently, that in 1651, when the Lord was summoned to England to go and fight for the future Charles II, he left the Isle of Man jointly between Lady Derby and Ilium Doan. So that's proof. And he was the victim, as I said earlier, of the 8th Earl of Derby. He wasn't his opponent, he was his victim. Now, if you could say he was the opponent of anybody, he was the opponent of Lady Derby. And the reason he was the opponent of Lady Derby was partly her fault, according to what we know, because when they were jointly in charge of the Isle of Man during the Civil War, they had an agreement between them that they would not treat with the enemy without consulting each other. And when she learned, firstly, that Lord Derby had been imprisoned by the Roundheads, and secondly, that Colonel Ducklefield, on the orders of Cromwell, was on his way to the Isle of Man, they say it seems an enormous number with three regiments of foot and one of foot horse. He was sheltering at Beaumaris from the inclement weather of the Isle of Man in the autumn, which we can all relate to. And she sent to him at Beaumaris and said, I'll give you the Isle of Man and everything in it, every manxman, every cow, every pussycat, if you will see to it that my husband gets released. And, of course, William Down and Down had spies everywhere, so he found this out. And was it the spur? Was it the red rag to a bull? Was it the trigger? Was it just what he needed? I don't know. We'll never know. But he summoned 800 men to Ronald's Way, and he rang them with his silver tongue, and he said, she will sell you for tuppence or threepence a head. She threatened to do it to the Welsh, and she'll do it to you. And that was the beginning of the rising. And she probably did do that. Ilium was Manx and he was a relation of mine and also an icon. It's the drama of Ilium's ending and the horror and, and the terrible lies of the charges against him that have sort of embellished the tale. Dr Jennifer Cooley Draskow and her thoughts on her distant relative Ilium Dawn, William Christian, son of Deemster Ewan Christian of Milntown, from whom Jennifer is herself directly descended. This is a poem now written by Mona Douglas about Ilium Dawn. It seems to have appeared first in Corre Hilgach, Iru Deyeg, Lasauna, Naichi Jeg, Quegjeg as Died. 
Could I Hilgach was the title of an occasional Manx language magazine that ran from 1951 to 1957, edited by Dewan Gael, Jack Gell, for Ancheza and this edition, number 12, was published at Hollandtide, 1955. In this edition, Mona Douglas's poem is entitled Bardunus son Ilium Dawn. It was also published in Volume 3 of the magazine Mananach in May 1973 under the title Crednish Ilium Dawn. Tamish Kenya Trai Ochon Ilium Dawn Engedden Bess Fech a chadle, down the lure. Hawel poor eg ilium nish. Trim sharen, moors beg. Hawel weg, de yinwine. Djurge ul er klug in chas. Liastun kore fon drain. Gastas fir dayach ve, shadow de brace on keres mai. Tojach jena manani. Lendery on scurt na tai. Nish, te fur as cry gin bio. Ach, on shaw the kinjach te, salsha mach morfeniach dun, cor erts munyan orn the bre. Hawel maru, William Don, te nin gion, nin lau, nin gri, bio de brech on skeelen te, tojach jin amanani. Here's a bullet, I found it on Hango Hill. Here's a bullet, I found it on Hango Hill. I was just out walking round when I saw it on the ground. Here's a bullet, I found it on Hango Hill. I close my eyes and I see a soldier's on Hango Hill. I close my eyes and I see him on Hango Hill. And I hear the captain call now, put him over by that wall. He's a bullet, I found it on Hango Hill. A crowd gathers on Hango Hill. A small crowd gathers all around a man looks like they're gonna kill. And I hear the captain say, now keep them people well away. I don't want no one getting hurt here today on Hango Hill. A quiet falls on Hango Hill Just some distant seabirds call All along the rockside Hango Hill And I hear the captain shout And then the shots ring out And one man starts to cry And a woman kneels to pray And the seabirds fly away And there's a dead man lying Boy A bullet on Hango Hill Here's a bullet 
I found it on Hango Hill. Greg Jochen performing his own song, Hango Hill. It's quite clear that Charles Stanley, the 8th Earl of Derby, cynically and deliberately manipulated the law and the judicial process to ensure that Ilium Dawn was convicted and executed. Charles Stanley had spent most of his life estranged from his parents, in fact, but it presumably was some sense of overall family honour that he now felt he was avenging. Amongst the charges was that Ilium Dawn was somehow responsible for the execution of his father, James Stanley, which was patent ridiculous, as Jennifer Cooley Draskell mentioned. However, Ilium Dawn was an officer of James Stanley, tasked with protecting the island and with protecting the Countess of Derby. In the event, though, he stood against Lady Derby and ceded the island to the parliamentary forces. So, by Charles Stanley's lights, this was traitorous in respect of William Dawn's duty to the Lord of Man. Author, composer, musician, historian, filmmaker and broadcaster Charles Gard was recognised in this year's New Year's Honours lists with an MBE for his outstanding service to Manx culture and heritage, so Molyer's Sawyer Dersen Son Shen. Charles is, of course, associated with the administration of Milntown, the historic home of the Klein Christine, the Christian clan. Charles has explored elements of Ilium Dawn's actions for culture vanning, and here he tries to present both sides of the argument. Ilium Dawn is the most famous Manxman because he played a key part in an extraordinary aspect of Manx history in the middle of the 17th century. He surrendered the Isle of Man to the parliamentary forces during the Civil War. Because of this, his name has lived on uh, in Manx history and amongst the Manx people. He'll always be remembered as a colourful character, but 350 years after these events, it's difficult to get the, the nuances about what was happening. He was employed by the uh, Earl of Derby. He was put in charge of the Isle of Man when the Earl left to fight for the King. But instead of protecting the Isle of Man from the parliamentary forces that came, he surrendered it. Now, many people say he did that to save bloodshed. And indeed, there was no bloodshed. When the parliamentarians eventually arrived on the island and Ilium Doan had negotiated that there would be no bloodshed, the Countess was uh, holed up in Castle Russian and she was told by the parliamentarians that if she didn't surrender the castle, then the cannons would be fired and the walls would be broken down. As it happened, some Manx soldiers in the castle opened the back door and let the parliamentarians in. At that point the Countess and her children and the whole retinue of page boys and squires were given free passage to leave the island. She could have been thrown into prison for resisting the parliamentarians or worse, she could have been executed. In fact, she was uh, allowed to leave the Isle of Man and make her way back in England. There are two ways of remembering Ilium Doan, either surrendering the Isle of Man to protect us all, or not defending the Isle of Man when he was left in charge by the Earl of Derby. Charles Gard, MBE, carefully setting out both viewpoints in relation to Ilium Dawn. The duty of Ilium Dawn placed on him by James Stanley was to protect the island and to protect the Countess Charlotte de Tremoy. 
However, the fear was that Lady Derby would treat the island and its people as mere pawns, to bear the brunt of reparations, or as the price for saving her husband, not knowing at the time, of course, that he'd been executed already. As both Charles and Jennifer alluded to, Ilium Dorn's actions meant the large parliamentarian invasion force returned to England, so that meant that the island, which couldn't have stood against such a large force anyway, wasn't burdened with having to provide for them. People weren't displaced for them, they weren't forced out of their homes, they didn't lose food, they didn't lose the fodder for their animals, the island wasn't despoiled by an occupying army. Had Charlotte de Tremoille resisted the parliamentarians in a siege of Castle Russian, and particularly if that had led to injury or death on the parliamentary side, it seems likely that she and her household wouldn't have had safe passage out. This was, pragmatically, the best way of ensuring her safety. During Charles Gard's 25 years with Max Heritage Foundation Kulchevanin, one of the works produced was Skeelan Lewis Krellin, a collection of articles and stories in Manx by Lewis Krellin. In January 1968, Lewis Krellin gave a short oration as he laid a wreath in memory of William Dorn in Mullu Church, where William Dorn was buried in the chancel. As part of that Manx Heritage Foundation project, Echteren and Chechachilgach, the president of Chechachilgach, Stuart Bennett, recorded material for an accompanying CD. So we can hear Stuart giving Lewis Krellin's oration. Laying of wreath on the tomb of William Dorn, Malu Church, January the first, nineteen sixty-eight. Tashin and Shadu unsured you, Lyorish E. Iliam MacChriston, Enmus at Iliam Dawn, Fudnamanani. Van Dunya Shore and a Kurtka Bess, Erana Le, Jamie Stieri and Gyore, Savlain Shehid Jeg, Tree Feeders Tree. Vod Greda Rowey of Risha Elu, Gisavainstje, and Chan Derby, on Saniri Mach Vua, Pert of Linton Roshen. Och, haren na manani uns na lean shen, kredjil de ne sio an irin ye. Ye chadsen er an dunye sio, me mananach dui, as grae chira ege. Dunye ren a chud sio a yinu, a son a chia, as a vunja ege hin. As de shingen, nin manani sile ton ju, fos kredjil an rod chithen. As shen an o, ta shin en in jaglum kudjach nish, de cur shis a ai ilium don, na blen sio. The rail blow on St. Anya Ein, Kunichten, Jemanenach Dui. Echteren and Chechachilgach Stuart Bennett, reading Lewis Krellin's short oration from 1968 in memory of William Dawn, who met his death by firing squad at Hango Hill on Castletown Bay on the 2nd of January 1663. What is William Dawn but bones now and a memory? It was loose wool on a wire, a bead fallen from the string, a fish leapt clean from the river. And yet, look beyond the elegiac verses, the curses laid on Scarlet and its heirs, the tangle of political affairs, and a harsh death in a cold place in winter. Look beyond patriot or traitor, that tired old debate. Who presumes to know? Beside, it is too late. The deep unpicking of an age that is not ours to relate. Look down instead. See 
here beneath your feet, where in summer you walked barefoot and sunk and claimed each tiny grain of Derby Haven sand for Ilium's men. Now, in this chilly January, walk again. Smooth, untrodden lies today's damp sand. Walk, imprint your mark here on the shore, in the shadow of the castle. There will always be a castle. And here, beside a grey and strangely placid sea, make new footprints. Choose to be free. Annie Kiswick bringing to an end this edition of Shachle. So from me, Bob Coswell, Vaughan Robert the Carslach, Sled New.